After a lifetime of researching the dynamic and enigmatic world of light entertainment, I've decided to ditch my notebook and meet the people who inspire me. What makes them the people they are? How do they feel about the show business landscape in which they find themselves? And in a world where anyone can be a star, is there still a need for performers who have universal appeal? Come with me on a journey of discovery as I get a unique insight into Britain's favourite stars with a little help from my glamorous assistants. Yeah, well, I say glamorous, more like hazardous. And of course, we'll have a bit of fun along the way. Channel 4 News stalwart Jon Snow has been presiding over the corporation's nightly news for an unprecedented three decades. Although an ITM production, John remains the only journalist to be employed solely by Channel 4. Previously enjoying a long association with ITN, which saw him ascend the ranks to the anchor of the broadcaster's election night coverage in 1992, replacing the legendary Alistair Burnett. Yet in 2011, he united with the talents of Krishnan Guru Murthy for the new look Channel 4 News, which has spawned countless comedic performances including his annual appearance on the Big Fat Quiz of the Year. I caught up with the broadcasting legend to talk politics, journalism and his ongoing love affair with the art of light entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. John Snow. Now, we'll get on to, your, to the highlights of your career in a moment, but firstly, in 2018, you volunteered to take a pay cut to help to highlight the gender inequalities within the media. Mm. Now, this must have been something that you feel hugely passionate about. On a personal level, why is this issue so important? Well, I, I think we have, you know, grown up into a world where we recognize that, you know, the, the sexes are equal intellectually. They're mentally just capable. Obviously, there are physical differences in terms of that, but that doesn't affect the work as a journalist. And, um, you know, some of the finest journalists in the world are women. Uh, there's no reason they should be paid less than their counterparts, just as a, an ordinary male journalist and an ordinary woman journalist, if there is such a thing, as, as an ordinary anybody, uh, they should be paid the same. Um, and I, I, I can never understand why people with the same qualifications, the same intellectual capacities, uh, are paid differently. So it was a no-brainer, really. I should have thought of it before. One of the striking things about you is that you remain the only broadcaster to be employed solely by Channel 4 and not ITN. Without alluding to your own personal affairs, what's the purpose of this arrangement? <laughs> well, it's interesting. I think that because you're sort of associated with a channel, a particular channel, um, I think they worry that if you decide to go somewhere else, um, they won't have a say in the matter if they don't employ you. So. ITN makes news for Channel 5, ITV, and Channel 4. And one of them, at the time at which this happened, uh, was nosing around looking for another newscaster. And they might have wanted to employ me. I don't think they would have. But anyway, the channel decided, Channel 4 decided, uh, we'd, we'd better tie him into a contract with us so none of these other characters uh, take him away. Does that happen a lot? Uh, yes, I mean, more between sort of Sky and ITN and Sky and BBC, etc. Channel 4, I think we're seen as a bit highbrow for some of these uh, 
channels and they don't want us. So, you know, I, I don't think I would have been nicked anyway, but they wanted to tie me in. Yeah, well, you're such a valuable asset to them, that's, that's most likely why. And uh, joining ITN in 1976, what was your initial reaction when confronted with being in front of the camera for the very first time? It's interesting, isn't it? I, it never really particularly bothered me. I, I, um, I was more worried about the speaking aspect rather than the appearing. Could I intonate uh, the words and the ideas adequately? Um, not, did I look bonkers? Uh, not, is a, have I got a bogey? Uh, you know, I mean, have I got earwax? Those things didn't really worry me at all. Um, but, but being able to do the job, find out the story and tell it in a comprehensive and understandable way. I suppose in terms of the pioneers of news broadcasting, Britain has created plenty. How important were people like Robin Day, Alistair Burnett, Richard Dimbleby, and their generation in shaping television news to what it is today? I think they were very important. Um, of course, it was totally different. The technology was so different. They had to appear much more than we do um, because there weren't the pictures to cover the story. I mean, very often they would have news stories of which there were no pictures because there was no mechanism for, for getting them quickly. Um, you could get information about a story, but you couldn't necessarily uh, get any pictures. One of the problems was they were on film, and film had to be processed, and that would take three hours for just one roll of ten minutes. Um, well, if you're trying to do something for the six o'clock news, and the story has happened at three o'clock in the afternoon, it, and, and it's a way out of London, the chances of getting the pictures on are, are nil. And uh, so they would appear very often and read the news. And if they had some pictures, that was a good thing. But they had to carry the authority of the news in a way we don't really have to. I suppose that for breaking news stories, that would be completely out of the question, providing yeah. any, any sort of footage. Be breaking news stories, you wouldn't dare say it because mm. you would have no evidence of the breaking right. news except what you've been told. You slowly climbed the ranks, and in 1984, you took up the role as Washington correspondent. What did this teach you about the notorious special relationship between Britain and the US? Hmm, very interesting question. Very interesting question, because I don't think it is that special, in fact. It is, in Mr. Donald Trump's words, America first, um, and anybody else second. Um, I mean, there were small ways in which they envied us. They liked the way we speak. Um, they liked the fact that we had a queen, even though they didn't want one. You know, they, they didn't want, they've never wanted a, a crown. Uh, but they envy us having one, and having one which tracks its way all the way through the centuries. You know, you know how the queen became queen, because she was the daughter of X and the granddaughter of Y, etc., etc. So their lack of history... I mean, of course they have plenty of history, but their lack of longevity, they haven't got the sort of depth of history that we have. Um, so we were treated rather well and definitely treated specially as against, say, a French journalist or a German journalist. But on the other hand, we were definitely 
secondary to the Americans. Mm. You know, the funny thing is that when I started in 1984 there in Washington, Ronald Reagan was the president and he was a sort of old Hollywood actor. So we treated him a bit like we treated Trump initially. Uh, we, we thought he was a fool and all this, but he wasn't. He turned out to be able to make peace with Russia and the Cold War. And I went to all the Reagan-Gorbachev summits, which were the moments of which these things gradually worked out. And that was pretty exciting. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. What about his relationship with Margaret Thatcher? Um, that, that, I think, was very good. Um, I don't know if he fancied her, um, but, but they certainly respected each other. Um, and they were both very strong-willed people. You can't really imagine that with May and Trump. Trump because he's, you know, pretty odd. And, and May because she's a little bit soulless. Making a switch to Channel 4 News in 1989, what were your first impressions of this relatively new news outlet? And what makes it so unique? Hmm. Well, when Channel 4 News came along, um, I didn't particularly want to work for them because they wanted me to be the anchor and I wanted to go on reporting because I really enjoyed traveling and getting to the story and the rest of it. And then I thought about it and I realized if I didn't go for the job, somebody my age then, you know, in their um, 40, 40 something, um, I was 42, somebody my age would get the job and then I'd never be able to get it later on. So I decided I'd, I did want to do it. Um, Channel 4 News had a rather rocky start in 1982. It was quite a well, there was a lot of talk and not many pictures, and, uh, but it's changed and I enjoy it very much as it is. Now, every journalist has a story about election night. Yeah. In 1992, you took the reins from Alistair Burnett, becoming the main anchor for ITN's election night coverage. Mm. How difficult is it to be the person holding such an important broadcast together? Well, I think it's easier than it looks because you've got a fantastic team. You're being fed the whole time with information. You know, you've got people sitting out of shot, but they're all there handing you bits of paper. So nowadays, of course, it's all on the computer, but in those days, it was all on paper. So you'd, you'd get a note from them and a note from them, and you'd, then you, you'd, you'd get on the phone to Birmingham or wherever it was to see what the results were. Um, it was exciting, it, and it was an endurance test. I mean, you were on for five or six hours or more, and then back on again first thing in the morning. But it was exciting. I really enjoyed it. I am a sort of political animal, I admit. In 2011, you launched the New Look Channel 4 News alongside Krishnan Guru Murthy. To what extent is the success of a news program dependent upon style and format? I think it is. There, there, there is a certain style to it. And the most interesting thing was that we got a completely new set, you know, sort of stage set in the studio. And the problem was I was the dullest thing in it. Very boring indeed to look at. And I thought, 
I'm going to have to do something about this. I, I, I'm going to have to wear more colorful suits or um, colorful shirts. And then I, I say, no, that wouldn't work really. White shirts work well with color. I know, I'll, I'll, I'll start getting into ties. And so ties became my brand. And then I, over time I realized that wasn't enough. So I went for socks as well. But once upon a time, I did think, should I have colorful suits? It was so bloody expensive that I, um, I decided not to go that route. I suppose the ties are much cheaper, and this leads on to the next question quite well. Um, away from the news, you don't shy away from crossing the serious news border and are able to laugh at yourself in shows such as Big Fat Quiz of the Year. Now, how important is it to show the audience another side to your personality? I think it's extremely important. You must not be... They, they cannot be convinced that you're a totally serious, po-faced individual. Uh, you, you, you've got to prove that you have, uh, you know, a bit of joy about you. And uh, the Big Fat Quiz is amazing. They ask me to do these dances every year. I have no idea what they're talking about. I have to make them up myself. Um, but somehow I get away with it. Um, I, th I think I am laughed at rather than with. Maybe it's a bit of with. Um, but I, I think it's very important to show that you're a, a human being. Mm. You know, you're not just a, a robot up there on the on the screen. I think one of the ones that um, me and Josh were talking about on the way here today is when you would read um, song lyrics as a as, as a, a news as a news report. report. Yeah, yeah. those well, were, that, those that, were very good. Part of the dancing show. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. It it it's it's great fun to read ludicrous words seriously you know um, you ain't nothing but a hound dog um, or golly miss molly you know all these old things like that or um, no I mean it is a very funny insert of course I, I never realised quite how funny it is because I'm just sitting in the studio reading it and it's only when you see people in the pub and it comes up, you think they're all laughing. Brilliant. Now, last week, you also took part in Radio 2's dance for Comic Relief. I did, I did. And I didn't even know it was on until a friend of mine said, Claudia Winkleman's on, and she has a bit of a shine for you. Uh, you know, if you went along... <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Well, uh, if you went along, you'd make her day, and she needs, she needs cheering up. She's been dancing now for 14 hours or something. And um, so I went along, and uh, I surprised her, and we had a great dance for about 10 minutes. She was really doing well, fantastic. And I really enjoyed it. Great fun. Would you ever do Strictly? Uh, I have been asked to do Strictly, and I, I, I said no. Um, a, it takes, up an in, it takes up an enormous amount of time, because you've got to be taught to dance. And I think I'm unteachable. <laughs> um, I also was asked to be on Bake Off. But I'm really a poor cook, so I've I've kept rid of, kept free of those. The more that spontaneous hasn't stopped other people, though. No, no, it has <laughs> no. The, the spontaneous ones, I think, are more fun. Mm. Okay, looking back at your career, what is your proudest achievement? Not to have shot Idi Amin. I was on. You know who he was? Dictator mm. in Uganda. Well, I d I did voluntary service overseas in Uganda, so. Funnily enough, I met Amin long before I became a journalist. He was the commander-in-chief of the army. He wasn't yet president. And um, uh, my job at the school 
once every couple of months was to take kids from the school to, to the boxing championships in Kampala, which is about 250 miles from my school on the banks of the Nile. And um, guess who was in the ring as the referee? None other than Idi Amin. <laughs> he really loved boxing. And, um, you know, if he didn't like the way the fight was going, he'd finish it off himself. <laughs> he really would. Anyway, so when I went back as a journalist, um, he, I think, pretended, but maybe he actually did. He recognized me. Um, and uh, we, we, we got on okay. Um, and I, I got visas to go back there and this and the other. And then one day he said, I'd like to take you to show me your, we'd like to show you the village where I was born, which is way up at the top of the country. So I said, that'd be very nice. We got into this small executive jet, and he was sitting next to me, and I was, I was there next to him. And then there was a very burly air hostess at the back who might have been a bodyguard, I don't know. Swiss pilot there and my cameraman there. So one, two, three, four, five, six people on the plane. And almost immediately he went to sleep. His Stetson fell over his eyes, snoring. And I looked down and I saw there was a holster with a gun in it, hanging off his rather ample waist. So I thought to myself, should I shoot him? Um, and for a moment I began to think, what, what would happen? Um, first of all, he might pretend he wasn't asleep. He was, he was, maybe he was pretending to be asleep. And he made, ah, gotcha. You know, so that, that wouldn't work. Then I was worried about what actually happens when you shoot a pistol, a high-velocity pistol, at a man who goes through the fuselage. Do you get sucked out the size of a pea, shrink, pressurized to nothing? Or will it revolve inside the great fat man sitting next to me, the President Idi Amin, and stay safely in his body? Anyway, I had enough doubts to think it was not a good idea. So in the end, I did not shoot Idi Amin. But if I had, I'd have saved a lot of lives. But probably lost my own. And I'm not that brave. <laughs> and finally, what's next for Jon Snow? What's next for Jon Snow? Um, and it, one never knows. One never knows. Will they fire me? Will they beg me to resign? Will I fall down dead with a heart attack? I mean, it could be anything. Um, as far as I know, a bit more of the same. And another round of um, Big Fat Quiz next Christmas. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, we'd all love to see that. Thank you very much to our guest for being the subject of another Beyond the Title interview. If you like this, why not browse the website and see if there's anything else that takes your fancy. Don't forget to like our Facebook page to receive updates on forthcoming interviews and to see more information about me and what I do. Thanks again and hopefully see you next time for another Beyond the Title interview.